Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. I'll try not to trip too much getting up on stage next service. Almost died right there, and y'all would have had to do the eulogy for me. I don't know what happened. I was like, I was all cool, and then all of a sudden, like, I saw the the rolling come up, and I got really nervous. I'm like, oh, no, Lord, it's about to happen. And uh, so we're in the last uh, last day of our Bite Size series. Has anybody enjoyed this Bite Size series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it, has it helped you guys? Yes, I'm seeing heads nodding. Good. Yeah, we're in this uh, last uh, day of Bite Size, and... Um, Today, I want to talk a little bit about contradictions. Has anybody else noticed how parents are like walking contradictions? If you're a parent in here, oh, a kid. Somebody who doesn't have kids yet just raise their hand like, yeah, my parents are walking contradictions. That's awesome. Yeah, we are. Like as parents, like that's just part of, of your job is to be a contradiction to your children. Um, for me, uh, you know, so anybody ever heard, the, or maybe you said it, uh, do as I say, not as I that's right. Yeah, you're a contradiction. <laughs> You've done it, right? So we, we know this phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Um, you know, I'm really bad at whenever it comes to sharing, okay? I'm just going to be honest. I'm really bad when it comes to sharing. Not everything in life. Like, I share my house with my kids, you know, so. <laughs> um, but I'm really bad whenever it comes to sharing food, okay? I, I don't play around whenever it comes to food, okay? So, like, it, it, I'll tell my kids in one breath, hey, listen, you need to share with your siblings, right? We bought two meals that are big enough to feed half an army. Go, go feed your brother. Like, give them some of your french fries, right? But in the very next breath, Hannah didn't order any french fries, and she's like, hey, can I have one of those? I'm like, heck, no, get your own dang fries. <laughs> I, that's what I do. And, you know, if it comes to, especially like Martin's Biscuit, I haven't made it to the new Martin's yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there, though, this week, I'm pretty sure, in the name of Jesus, right? Like, I introduced my wife to Martin's several years ago, and so we got different things. I always get the same thing. It's bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Like, you can't go wrong with that, you know? They put, like, extra butter on there and whatnot. She got something different. I don't know not fun. And she's like, hey, that looks really good. Can I have a bite? I'm like, no, nah, dog. Like, get your own. <laughs> I, if you wanted some of my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, then I would have just ordered you your own bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. But there is only so much goodness here that I plan on consuming. Anybody ever watch Friends? You... <laughs> Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> You're all heathens if you know that. <laughs> all heathens. Yeah, like parents, as parents, we're, we're walking contradictions. And here's, here's the other thing, right? Whenever we look at contradictions, uh, as Christians, we don't like to admit to this, okay? There's a lot of contradictions in Scripture. That was long and dramatic pause while I drank that. There's a lot of contradictions find in Scripture, right? It's like, maybe you know somebody who's like that, or maybe you are that somebody who's like, man, listen, I've seen how God in the Old Testament is like this God of wrath and destruction, but then all of a sudden the New Testament comes around and he's all like the God of love. Like if, I, if God is real, I don't want to serve some bipolar God, right? I mean, that's just 
kind of what people think, you know? Like, how is it possible that, that Jesus could know that a storm was approaching, allow that storm to approach, and then everybody's freaking out, and then he's like, y'all, chill. Like, peace to the waves and the wind and the storm, and it calms down. Like, how is it possible that, that the same God who calms the storm is also the same God who lets the storms happen? Let's just be honest. That's, a, that's an interesting contradiction, right? You know, and a lot of times what, what I'll see that, that Christians do is they stop reading their Bible. Like, you come across the first contradiction that you don't understand, and you're like, yeah, this is weird. I, I still believe in Jesus, but this is weird. I'm just not going to read anymore. I'm going to shelter myself. And so you don't read anything else because you don't understand it. You can't reconcile whatever it is that you just read with other parts of Scripture. And so you just don't read anymore at all. Or one of my favorite things that we as a Christian group do is that we'll say, you know, I see the two opposing thoughts. And instead of trying to reconcile them together and understand how this works in relationship to each other, instead what I'll do do is I'll just take the part that I like and I'll use that. All right? I can't be the only one that's done this. Yeah, because it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So we take the half that we like and we use that because how could it be possible that a God who says that, that you are uh, under grace and not under law could also be the same God that says, but you still need to be sanctified and live your life according to the law because Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Which one is it? Come on now, God, you got to pick a side, all right? That's what we want to be able to do. That's what we want to be able to say is just pick a side, God, right? Is Jesus the lion or the lamb? Which one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because you're, you're a good Christian, right? So you get that, right? All right. Well, here, let me throw this one at you. Is Jesus the lion or is Satan the lion? Because both of them are referenced as the lion. Which one is it? Come on, God, get your stuff together, Right? What about all of the sacrifices that are ordained by God in Leviticus and Numbers and, and the Sabbath and the new moon festivals, right? Like God ordains all of this stuff to happen in Leviticus and Numbers. He says, do these things. And then in Isaiah, he comes through the voice of the prophet and he says, I hate your new moon festivals, don't bring your worthless offerings to me anymore. I can't stand them. I can't stand them or your Sabbaths. Which one is it? Because God is like talking out of both sides of his mouth here. Which, which one are we supposed to believe? See, there's all kinds of different things that we can find that are contradictions in Scripture. And, and, and here's, here's one. How about the Sabbath, right? You're to work for six days and take one day off. But then Jesus, if, you're, if your sheep falls into a pit, if, if your son or daughter falls into a pit, will you not surely on the Sabbath pull them back out and work? See, man wasn't created for Sabbath. Sabbath was created for the man, right? It's, it's just a whole lot of contradictions that we can find all throughout Scripture, and it will get us in a lot of trouble if we don't take the time to understand why the contradictions are there. And there's, there's one specific contradiction that I would like to focus in on today, and I think that it'll help us with other contradictions throughout Scripture that we can find. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. 
I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard Version. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, somebody, wow, yeah, yeah, New American Standard. That's right, all you other NIVers out there. No, uh, no I'm joking. Uh, chapter 12, I'm in New American Standard. If you need, uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, uh, but you do have your phone, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv and click on today's notes. Uh, and there is a link there so that you can follow along with us. All right, so we're going to go to chapter 12, verse 15 is where I'm starting. And it says, then he said to them, this is Jesus, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even one has an abundance. Does his life consist of his possessions? I just want to go ahead and put you at ease. This is not a tithing sermon. You can all relax, put your wallets away. It's not on tithing today. All right. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, this is interesting, okay, because I want to just highlight one quick part of a verse here in verse 18. Uh, it, 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 the man says to himself, what will I do? I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. But God says, this is a bad thing, right? This is a bad thing that you're doing. This is not a good idea because your soul is, is, is required of you this very night. You have no reason to store up these things in bigger barns. But let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs. Will be f- it says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Which one is it, God? Pick a side. Am I supposed to have wealth? Am I supposed to have barns filled with plenty? Because now you're saying that I shouldn't build bigger barns to fill them up with plenty. I don't understand. Will you please just pick a side? And I think that this is kind of where we find the Pharisees in all of this. The Pharisees had it easy because all they had to do was pick a side. And that's what we want to do as Christ followers is just say, pick a side for the love of all creation. Just pick a side, please, Lord. It'll make it so much easier. Right? But, but you tell us in one breath that, that we should give of our wealth so that our barns will be filled with plenty. And then it seems like Jesus, the Son of God, a piece of the Trinity, a piece of God comes along and he says, you fool, why are you building bigger barns? And see, this is the contradiction that we find. This is the hard place for us. Because I, I, I personally believe that it's both. And I preached several months ago on this idea that I believe that God ultimately wants us to walk in blessing. He wants us to walk in wealth. Uh, I believe that. And, and so what you'll find is, is that a lot of times uh, Christians will say, oh, that's prosperity preaching. God doesn't want you to be wealthy, right? And, and, and see, I just disagree with that. I disagree with it because here's the thing. Prosperity preaching at its core is this idea that, that God is a machine and you 
pull the levers that you want through your giving. And so as a result, as, as you pull the levers on God, you manipulate God into giving you a blessing. As you give to whatever the ministry is, as you give towards whatever the organization is, then you're pulling the levers of God. And as a result, you will be blessed and you will be wealthy. And that's, that's the whole end that, that justifies the means. And so as a result, you give and that's cool. But at the same time, you're trying to manipulate God. And that's not, that's not, I want you to hear, that is not my heart. But I do believe that God wants us to walk in blessing. I do believe that God has wealth for us. I, I believe that God wants us to be well taken care of. At the same time, I also believe that, that God wants us to be able to give. Let's go throw that next verse up there. I think it's verse 33. It says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, this is, what, this is what I think that we need to understand whenever it comes to the idea of contradictions in Scripture. See, the, the idea is, is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So is Jesus saying, hey, listen, don't be stupid. You need to be poor right? Be poor. Give everything that you have away and, and, and don't let any blessing come your way. Is that, what, is that what Jesus is saying? I don't think so. Because there's, there's scripture all throughout, right? Look, let's even look at Joseph back in Genesis. What did Joseph do? He, he had a dream that, that he interpreted for Pharaoh where all of a sudden famine was coming over the land, right? Famine was coming over the land. And so what did Joseph do? Up all this excess, up all of the excess that's coming into his household. He's storing up all this excess into these various barns, right? So that whenever the seven-year famine comes, now he is in a position as a a wealthy leader in Egypt to say, I have done the work. I have been a good steward with the resources that have been given to me. I have stored things up for the past seven years so that now I can give to those who are in need for the next seven years. There's a difference. Can we put the original scripture back up there for me? So check this out. Uh, let's see, where are we at? This, uh, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and goods. Can we go to the next one? Now watch this. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This, this is the point. This is the point right here. What's the difference? Why, why are, are we finding that in some respects, God wants to bless us. God wants us to be wealthy. He wants us to store up and be good stewards. He wants us to have a savings account, right? Why does he want us to be able to walk in full blessing and full wealth? The problem with this story is the man's heart. His heart was to store for himself so that he could just take it easy for the rest of his life. And he's like, look, I can build bigger barns. I can, I can eat, sleep, be merry, and die, right? And, and so as we look at the contradictions all throughout Scripture, at the end of the day, all throughout Scripture, the contradictions come down to the heart. And that is where the two contradictions meet. Where two opposing sides meet, you'll find God's heart. 
That's what we have to find in every single contradiction. And so anytime that you're reading throughout Scripture and, and you're like, man, this doesn't make sense with what I just read over here, then take both of those, put them together, and say, Lord, show me your heart that's in between here. What am I supposed to understand? And if you start doing that, you'll start to understand Scripture and these quote-unquote contradictions a little bit easier. And what I love about this contradiction here in this passage of scripture is that God is illustrating this idea that your heart is misshapen. Your heart is not in the right place. And there are so many times throughout at least my life where I could find that my heart was no longer in the right place. And as a result, Jesus says, there are going to be times in your life where you will inevitably find that your heart is not in the right place. And so what does he do? Can you throw the, the scripture 33 back up for me? He's lost my heart. Antidote. This, this is how you get your heart right. If you find that, man, I've lost my heart along the way, this is how you find your heart. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he does is he says, hey, listen, Man who wants to create larger barns, we need to shift your heart. And the only way that you can shift your heart is by starting to be generous. Start somewhere in your generosity. And what happens is, is you go from, from this perspective of, of saying, I did all of this myself. I built these barns. I filled them. I went to work. I got the promotion. I worked hard. I did all of these things. It's all on me. And now because of all of my work and my produce, now all of a sudden I can eat, sleep, and be merry and be comfortable for the rest of my life and not have to worry about anything else because I did it. And God says, no, your heart is wrong. See, whenever you choose to give generously, whenever you choose to, to take care of the widows and the orphans, whenever you choose to align your heart with the things of God and you give generously, then what happens is, is your heart changes and your understanding changes. And you say, I didn't have to do all of that. Yes, God partners with our hard work. But what he does is he says, you know, what? I'm the one that gave you everything that you have. I'm the one that lined up the promotion for you. I'm the one that lined up the raise. I'm the one that allowed extra revenue to come into your specific division so that you could get the bonus that you needed so that you could have the good Christmas this year. I'm the one that did all of that. I put it all into motion and I know that you think you've been working really hard and you have and I'm blessing that but at the same time I'm the one that organizes all of the finances around the world because scripture says that I own everything on this earth and I'm the one that aligns everything for the good of those who love me. You see, it changes your heart. Generosity changes your heart. And if you feel like, man, you know, I, you know what? My, I, I probably do have my, my, my thoughts in the wrong place. I, I probably have my heart misaligned and, and I've been focused a lot in on money and just trying to take care of myself recently. And maybe for good reason, because you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the electric bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't know how I'm going to do all these different things. I don't know how I'm going to get Christmas presents for my kids this year. I don't know how it's all going to work out. And so you're stressed, you're worried. And yet God says, don't worry about that stuff, but seek first his kingdom 
and all these things are going to be added to you. Seek first his stuff that you've been worried about, his kingdom with your money. Seek it first, and then all of the stuff that you've been worried about is going to be taken care of. And I, as I was preparing for this message, I felt just really strongly about uh, the idea that God wanted to share a bit of my testimony. And, um, you know, I'm going to try not to tear up or anything, but this was a hard time for my wife and I. If you've been through Most Essentials, you've, you've heard this story before, but um, if you haven't been through our membership class, you know, this will be a first time for you. So uh, just to kind of set the stage a little bit, um, my wife and I were both working. Uh, we were double income and no kids, right? Double income, no kids. Uh, then my wife uh, got pregnant. We don't know how that happened. Um, that was funny. My wife got pregnant with our first child, and uh, then she lost her job because she was a nanny, and they didn't want her bringing our child with her at the time. So she loses her job. Now we're one income, one kid. Then the recession happens uh, through a series of really insane events. Uh, I lose my job, and we have another kid. And we go from double income, no kids, to double kids and no income. And uh, man, this was, it was a difficult time for us. You know, we, at the time, we had a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house, uh, think about close to a half acre of land, a white picket fence, uh, you know, playground in the back, dog, two cars, right? American dream. Uh, so we, we have all of this, and then we lose everything, all of it. And we move into a friend's basement, uh, go from this four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, uh, down to a, about a 500-square-foot basement. Bachelor's degree, I thought, as soon as I got let go, I'd be able to find another job, no problem, and went 11 months with nothing. And I came across a scripture, you know, and um, that, that I, I don't believe in legalism, but I, I think, and this is going to sound contradictory for me to say this, but I think that, that legalism in a moment for me helped me through this situation because we weren't giving like we should at all. And I'm not... I'm not prescribing legalistic views for you. That's not what I'm saying. But, but for me, for, for me and my wife, and in a moment, we felt like, man, this is, this is what we need to do. And we came across this scripture, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And, and it says that if you bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, just test me in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. And so on unemployment checks, we said, okay, Lord, we're going to test you. And it was together that we started tithing a full 10% off of unemployment checks. It wasn't enough to do anything, you know. But we said, all right, Lord, we're going to test you in this. And uh, then I got a job making $10 an hour, which wasn't going to pay the bills for a family of four. But we said, okay, Lord, Malachi chapter 3 says, test me in this. So we said, all right, we're going to continue tithing. And, uh, and so we tithed 10% off of that, off of that $10 an hour. And uh, didn't have enough money, didn't have enough money to keep the lights on, didn't have enough money to pay for rent, didn't have enough money for food. So I started going into uh, dumpsters at grocery stores. 
uh, trying to pull out trash so that we could eat, um, so we could feed our family. And myself and a few of the other pastors, we did this consistently week after week after week and uh, still believed that God was saying, test me now and then. So we kept, kept tithing, kept testing God. And uh, it was just a few months after taking the job that my manager was fired and they promoted me in his place. I happened to pitch the CEO of Carrier Manufacturing, which is the largest heating and air conditioning company in the entire world. I pitched him. I didn't believe it was him. Whenever he said who he was, I waited until he left and I Googled him. <laughs> sure enough, it was him. And so my company found out that the CEO of Carrier was trying to steal me away. And so they gave me, uh, they gave me my manager's job, uh, gave me the promotion and still felt like God was saying, test me now in this. And so we said, all right, Lord, we're going to test you in this. And it was about this time that we had heard God, uh, we had heard a, a preacher talk about God's ideas on first fruits. And that it was, it was this idea of faith giving and, and, and you can give 10% or, or you can give off of what you're believing in faith will equal 10% and that God would ultimately make up another 90%. And we said, all right, Lord, that sounds good to us. Let's do this. And so we, we, we started tithing off of that. And so we up to the 12% at the time. And, and, and so then all of a sudden, it was just a few months later that the guy over the east side of Atlanta quit. And, and, and so we're saying, all right, Lord, test me now on this. We're going to test you in this. And so instead of replacing that guy, they put me over all of Atlanta. A few months after that, another company starts uh, trying to steal me from, from this company. And, and, and so we're saying, all right, Lord, test me now in this. So we keep giving. We keep giving. We keep finding other opportunities to give. And, and my boss had this rule. He said, if you ever threaten to leave, I'm going to fire you on the spot. That was his rule. And some of my coworkers found out that I was being recruited by another company for more money. And they said, don't tell our boss. You know his rule. Don't tell him. No matter what, family members found out. And they said, don't tell your boss. No matter what you do, don't tell your boss. This is not going to end well for you. And I walked in. <laughs> I walked in and I felt like God said in a moment, you go tell your boss. Just, you got to trust me. Go tell your boss. God, everybody has said, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Everybody says this. I know his rule. So I walk into his office and uh, I say, listen, you know, I got this other company trying to recruit me. And he said, you know what my rule is, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. And he said, well, I think you're too valuable to lose. So I'm going to give you a 33% raise. I'm going to give you bonuses on top of that. And I'm going uh, to teach you how to go in homes and sell so that you can make commission on top of that. And so all of a sudden, God had increased all of the things that I had lost beyond that. And then the next year, I was recruited away for more money by another company who's the largest heating and air conditioning company in the Southeast. And God just kept saying, test me now in this. And over the course of time, I just... For me, because I love the black and white, I feel like God used a little bit of that legalistic sense in me because it was easy to follow. 
That, that's all that it was for me. It, it, was, it was easy. Hannah and I, we, just, we looked at each other and we said, this is what we're going to do. We, we prayed through it. This is what we're going to do. 10%. This is what we're going to do. We're going to test God in this. And so we just started giving and giving and giving and watching God just pour out and pour out and pour out. Even when it didn't make a ton of sense, we just watched God do it over and over and over again. And then it translates into, into generosity in other areas in our life where where I saw a homeless guy with a, with a sign. It was me and a good friend of mine. And I love this story. He was outside. He had this sign. And, and I'm walking past him with my good friend. And, and, and I immediately feel like God says, I want you to give him $10. And I'm like, God, I've seen you do so much over the past few years. Yeah, no problem, Lord. Let's do this. Right? And, and, and so we walk inside. And I, I, I have to get cash from the cashier because I just got to debit card, right? Nobody carries cash. And, and so I'm like, all right, Lord. So I, I asked for money back and she says, I'm sorry, we only do increments of 20. And I said, no problem. Give me two tens. God told me to give him a 10. So I'm going to do that and have any money. And as we're walking out, we're getting closer. And I'm like, man, I know that my friend doesn't have any money. God, do you want me to give $10 on behalf of him too? And I'll never forget this. God says, how blessed do you want to be? I'm like, well, crap, I want to be blessed. <laughs> So I dropped two tens in for the guy. And it's not a week later that $100 comes in the mail from nobody. And I mean, it's just story after story after story. I cannot help but believe that God is a God who says, listen, if you give, if you take care of the widows and orphans, if you take care of the lost and broken, if you take care of those people who don't have, even if you feel like you don't have much to give, you may only have a dollar, but can I tell you that the Lord can bless that dollar. He can take a dollar. He can take 12 loaves and turn it into something that feeds 5,000 people. If you have 50 cents, he can take that and multiply it it's not about the dollars. It's about the heart. It's about the generosity within you. And generosity is the cure for your heart's condition. And, and so it does not matter. And, I, and like I said, this isn't a tithing sermon. It's just that my story revolves a lot around tithing. And I do believe that you should give to your church. I do believe that if your church is benefiting you, then you should unite with it to help it do ministry better. I do believe that. That's not what this is about, though. It's about the idea that we have a mandate on us to make sure that our hearts are right. And I believe with everything that's in me that whenever we align our hearts with generosity, the Lord turns around and multiplies generously back to us. But God is not a machine to be manipulated. He has no levers to pull. It's just, it's about your heart. And whenever you choose to just step out with that first 50 cents, that first dollar, whatever it is, maybe for you it's $1,000 that you have sitting around that you've been waiting for the moment to understand what to do with it. And you're like, man, I see a homeless person or I see Salvation Army. I see whatever it is in that moment. Do you see it? And you feel something in your heart stirring. Don't ignore that stirring because that is the pivot point for your heart. That's what generosity does. Jesus says generosity is the cure for your heart's condition. That's what he says. He says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And so if you take that treasure that is in your bank account and you give it to take fins, it is contagious. You cannot help it. All of a sudden, it takes a little bit of a seed and then it starts, it's planted and it starts to grow. And now your treasure that you took and you gave it to help the widows and orphans, now all of a sudden you can say, my heart is with the widows and orphans, which is exactly where God would want your heart to be. There's a million different places that you could choose to be generous this week. A million different places. Maybe, maybe the place that you're going to be generous this week is at Starbucks, right? Buying somebody's coffee. Maybe it's a cardboard sign that you see on the side of the road. Somebody's standing there holding the cardboard sign, and you've got a dollar, you've got a few cents in your pocket, and you can give that to that person in that moment. Maybe that's where it is. Can I tell you that but before we go into this next little piece There's a million different places that you could give, and you cannot give to every single thing that you see. It's not possible. You'll go broke, and you'll be a bad steward, right? You're supposed to give, but then here's the contradiction. If you give too much, you're a bad steward, all right? Where's your heart going to be in all of this? You can't give to everything, so listen, just thank God for the, the, the time or two or three that you get to be generous, and be cheerful in that giving. Be cheerful in that giving. Pick pick that one person. You can pray this week. Pray this week, God, I've only got a dollar. I've got five dollars. I've got 50. I've got whatever it is, 100, 1,000. I've got this amount of money that I want to be able to, to give generously to somebody this week. Show me who to give it to. Just show me who to give it to. And, and God typically, just so you know, he doesn't speak audibly to most people, right? It's going to be this little feeling that you get. Maybe it's, it's your thinking to yourself is how it feels, but, but that can be God speaking to you in a moment. And, and if you think that it might be God, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. God is going to reward that. Not because you're manipulating him, but because that's just the way that it works, For this Christmas season, as Momentum Church, what we want to be able to do, you know that our heart is for first responders. Well, we found a, a, a first responder amongst Cherokee County Sheriff's Department. Uh, it's, a, it's a deputy, and uh, her husband left her relatively recently, from my understanding, and has not been helping out with child support. She has a 14-year-old son is really struggling right now. Doesn't know how they're gonna even do Christmas, doesn't know how they're gonna make ends meet. And so as Momentum Church, what we want to be able to do and what I would ask is that you just pray. You take a second and if you feel stirred to do something this morning, then help us. What we want to be able to do is we wanna be able to pay for a December's mortgage for her. And we wanna be able to do Christmas presents for her and her son. This is a sheriff's deputy here in Cherokee County that we want to be able to help. And so I'm going to have Pastor Stephanie down front here with an iPad so that if you don't have cash that you can give, if you have cash, great, we can take that, obviously. But if you have a debit card that you would like to help with a donation of a dollar, $5, $50, $100, we've already had somebody give us a donation for $400 because they heard what we were going to do for this lady. Whatever it is for you, whatever you feel called to do, if you'll come down front 
Pastor Stephanie can take a donation from you on push pay. And then what we want you to do after you give is we want you to hang an ornament on, on our tree. And our goal is to have this thing filled up by the end of this morning. So I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, you're dismissed. If you need to go ahead and go. And if you want to contribute specifically to this, you can come down front. Pastor Stephanie will be right here. And you can donate to help this first responder in need. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, that I thank you, Lord, that your word is not inconsistent, God. God, I thank you that you require effort out of us, Lord, to bless others and be blessed, God. God, we know that you are not a machine to be manipulated, Lord. And, and Lord, it is my heart that we would never find ourselves in that position where we accidentally think that we are manipulating you, God. Where we accidentally think that it's only because of what we do that you do what you do. God, you do everything because you are a good father and you choose to be gracious and merciful, Lord. You choose to love us. You choose to give us good gifts, God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your incomparable love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And as always, we're with you on the journey. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.